Aloha, my name is Ben. My name's Frank. Today we're joined by Mike. Hello, I'm Mike. Mike'd up Mike. And we just finished our sixth viewing of Doolittle for the year. Welcome to Viewlittle. Nobody told me there'd be a dragon. Let's address the dragon in the room. Finn has returned from vacation. Friend of the pod, Mike, is joining us on vacation. Staycation. Staycation. Finn, uh, you have anything to share about your uh, recent trip? Well, I ran a half marathon without train. It was okay. It wasn't the best. I did make a Doolittle reference as I was finishing. What was the Doolittle reference? Uh, for everyone at home, Finn just dabbed twice. An <laughs> <laughs> audio medium. You went for the yeah. double dab. The silent double dab. <laughs> You can hear it. You can feel it. I believe uh, Finn is making a reference to Dab Dab the Duck. <laughs> I'd like to reference the fact that Finn is barefoot in this room for some reason. That's a Yoshi reference. Because <laughs> he's a bear. I'm sorry. <laughs> this has been a great start. Uh, but yeah, so that was fun. The other thing is it was very nice and the weather was much warmer. That was probably the biggest takeaway. And now the top of my head is sunburnt, like the very top of it. What was your time? Yeah, I was at, I think I finished two hours and like 28 minutes. Or, no, it's like 26 minutes. What would you say is a good time for a half marathon? Well, I was on an 11-minute pace because I didn't train. And I started off 10 minutes and then halfway through, I like... That sounds like a good time. I feel like if I was running more than one mile, yeah. any, any mile is probably going to hit at around 10 to 15 minutes. And my my sister, she was much faster. I think she was at like a 206. Your sister's in, really into running then, huh? No, she just actually exercises. Oh, okay. <laughs> Big into X Games and Tough Mutters. Tough Mutters? <laughs> she, you got a Tough Mutters sister? Ninja yeah, Warriors? Tough Mutters. <laughs> what is it? Does she want to do an Iron Man? Iron Man is a great segue because Robert Downey Jr. Mike, this is your first viewing of Doolittle. Yes, so, it's the very first one. It's the first movie I've watched in over a year. The first movie you've watched in over the year. First time viewing Doolittle. You are a friend of the pod, so you have some view little knowledge. You have been listening to us. It, it's true. It's very strange to watch a movie uh, as though, even though I feel like I've been microdosing Doolittle a little <laughs> bit over the past few weeks just listening to the pod. So do you have a favorite character or a favorite moment? Mm, my favorite character is the... Uh, sugar glider oh, by far because it just had a cute moment that i really genuinely enjoyed what was that uh when it says i was born for this or <laughs> whatever i did think that was very baby yoda it was very just cute animal uh <laughs> cute animal antics which just really hit for me i guess so uh, yeah, I was a fan of the sugar glider, even though it did like one thing in the whole movie. Well, that's exactly what they were hoping for with that sugar glider character, because there were five pieces of merchandise that Universal made. Minnie the sugar glider, Yoshi the polar bear wearing a hat, and Chi-Chi wearing a backpack, the gorilla. The three of those were all eight-inch plushies, so stuffed animals. And then there was a small backpack that mimicked Chi-Chi's backpack. And there was also a hat that mimicked Yoshi's hat. So Chi-Chi's backpack shows up like once. I can only it's, remember it when he's packing. It's when he's packing the leak mm -hmm. for sure. I, I saw the backpack, did not notice it a second time in the movie. He's wearing it in the dragon scene. 
that's the only other scene where he has it in the cave. Does he have it when they're like running the save Doolittle and Monty? No, Verde? he does not. He's not wearing the backpack. Yeah, then. everybody's just freehanding dynamite raiding the castle <laughs> for some reason. Nobody, exactly. Nobody has a satchel or nothing. Yoshi does store dynamite somewhere hat probably it probably I mean, that hat. is the only place he has to store things it's a good call one thing on that hat one thing that i noticed this time is he takes it off before he gets in the wire every time and i've only just noticed that he does take it off every i just time. sort of assumed it like phased off of his body <laughs> like, that they just forgot about no it they pay I attention to that did. detail he's he's tossing it to the side every time and that's just like one thing i love about this movie is the attention to detail they have great attention to detail they certainly do so what were your expectations going into this movie i expected this movie to be bad because i've listened to you guys say it's bad and it's not very good <laughs> so I, I came in tainted a little did it, bit did it live up to that or um, were you surprised it, by... it was just it, it wasn't bad enough to be like oh this is so funny that this is a bad movie yeah, and it wasn't yeah. good enough to be like oh i enjoyed that yeah so it was a very middle of the road flop is what i would sort of label that movie under that's appropriate i think there are like parts of it that are laughably bad but i think for the most part it's just bad, yeah, bad. very specific moments were um laughably bad uh but i would say just all, all around the movie was just unimpressive uh, what do you think about the dragon scene then? The dragon scene actually made me very uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> I, straight away, Doctor Doolittle sort of assures uh, his doctor's vow to do no harm to his patients and immediately stabs a dragon with a sword. <laughs> it doesn't is, break skin though. It doesn't, uh, break, it doesn't skin. break skin. But I did he know that at the time? It seemed like he had only theorized that dragons could possibly exist uh, in papers. That's now, a good point. He did not know what they were made out of, um, if they were sword resistant. <laughs> sword resistant. Um, so it was kind of bold of him to go straight to stabbing the dragon when he has such a, you know, don't harm animals. Humans are, are not good creatures because they never change and always harm animals. Yeah. Well, he can't change. I think that's the point that it's making. It's very... He, he as a human also yeah. never changes. You know, followed by the dragon almost instantly gives up uh murdering all the people that showed up to take the fruit that it protects i guess was the plot point it is just laying there and dr doolittle then unannounced starts to insert vegetables into its <laughs> um rectum i guess uh, if you can even say this on the podcast <laughs> Uh, doesn't announce it doesn't say i'm going to help you because you're impacted by inserting this vegetable into your rectum see that would be that would be too graphic to put in a kid's movie uh they didn't want to have him describe that to children so they just had him go for it and they imply it it's so non-committal though because the bit seems to be it's funny to put the leak there right that seems to be the bit that it's funny but at the same time like it's it's gross and uncomfortable in a way and you know why not just have the dragon uh eat the leak and then the leak is medicine for it constipation. is it is good for that actually so, that is a property and, and of then, leaks and then you get your toilet humor out of the way with the dragon having violent diarrhea instead of a big <laughs> fart <laughs> i don't know if that's better like it, like it's <laughs> If you're going to go for the toilet humor, it just seems like have just have the dragon eat it and then have like fiery diarrhea or something. And, oh my but god! The, the extended scene with the the repeated using of the leak to disimpact this dragon is just it's uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy it. In your professional opinion, is the leak good for that? 
No. <laughs> um, a leak should not be good for that. I feel like a leak wouldn't have the... Like, if he's using it to pry, right? I feel like it wouldn't have the, the strength needed to get armor out of yeah, Dragon I don't, I don't expect you get a lot of leverage out of a leak. It's yeah. just also, you know, you wouldn't insert anything in there <laughs> to disimpact somebody. You would either lubricate the area with like an enema or you would give them medicine that would give them diarrhea those are the two options you have to to disimpact somebody you can use your hand uh but it's gross it is interesting that as a veterinarian as a doctor he doesn't take the time to it's not like they're in a time constraint they can take the time to set up the facility that as they need to right to perform this operation the dragon flies back to his manor <laughs> they get in the OR. Everybody knows that constipated dragons cannot fly that far. So <laughs> we don't even know if this dragon can fly. That's how the last actually. one died. <laughs> death, death by septic impaction. You mentioned briefly the papers of Doolittle. The title of the paper is "Flying with Dragons, Drakes, and Other Dreams" by Doctor J. Doolittle or DJ Doolittle for DJ short. Doolittle. He also wrote uh, another paper called The Potential of Whale Power. These papers are shown by Blair Moodfly, who has a collection of Dr. Doolittle's papers and things. He's obsessed with him. Well, so. if you notice like on that one, The Potential of Whale Power, it's actually just an album, and there's a CD in it, and it's by DJ Doolittle. DJ Doolittle. <laughs> DJ the Potential Dr. of Whale Doolittle. Power. <laughs> potential of Whale Power. Whale Power being the band that produces... It's a great band name. So one thing we wanted to ask you, uh, you're known in these parts as Medical Mike. <laughs> medical Mike? Yeah, you are a local expert. Yeah, um, I, I guess I touched on that briefly with uh, the how to treat constipation. <laughs> the answer is not not leaks, leaks not at, all. at all. The answer is not yeah, at it's, all. It's not leaks. We got a code red, code red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the the scene with surgery in it so straight away a squirrel is injured by a shotgun and he's taken for heart surgery the surgical theater looked good as like a period piece it was just basically cloth drapes rudimentary surgical instruments you didn't get to see any of the actual surgery which i get because it would be gory and mm -hmm. gross right, right 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 code red is is not the term for uh, somebody who's about to fatally pass away it's actually uh, code blue. Except uh, this movie was sponsored by Mountain Dew. Yes, so. <laughs> I did find it hilarious. Uh, the thought that a code red means one of the animals goes to fetch a crate of code red. <laughs> we got a code red. Code red. <laughs> and then, uh, if it was ingenious for Doctor Doolittle to pour code red directly <laughs> to the squirrel's ventricle to, to revive it. <laughs> The, the thought of that did cross my mind, and that would be a bold choice, but I would have really liked it. It would have, you know, Mountain Dew probably, Pepsi, the Pepsi sponsorship, that, they would have seen returns from that one, for oh, sure. Yeah. They absolutely would have. That's huge. A, I also like the idea of the dog saying that's ingenious, but every time he says that, the patient dies. Because <laughs> he's just, he's trying new ground. He's like, hey, I mean, some treatments are experimental. Medical grade code red is in phase three of its <laughs> clinical trials. It's almost ready for it straight on the heart. <laughs> directly on the heart has an immediate adrenaline rush uh, capable of restoring the heartbeat of a squirrel first impressions of the movie uh i did like the opening animated sequence i heard you guys say that you thought it looked a little weird um i'm almost certain it's done in blender which is just a mix of 3d modeling and 2d uh drawing yeah i think that's why 
Joe wasn't a big fan of it, but I don't mind it. I really, I don't mind it. I'm sure that it was like a rush job or something, but yeah, I think that's the thing is like, it's still, there's like some jarring sequences. Like when she Lily gives like the ring to Polly, Polly, there's like a weird face spasm and that looks really bad, but yeah, I don't think that style's the best, but it's whatever. I don't think it's the worst part of the movie. I don't think it's really oh, no. egregious uh, or anything. Absolutely not the worst part of the movie. Um, the dragon sequence was the worst part of the movie by far. That's a hot me, take. At least. I don't think that's a hot take. <laughs> I think that's, well, I don't know. Let's see. The part where Finn always falls asleep. Uh, Ooh, yes. <laughs> Literally cock, every cock single slipping. time. He came back from vacation. He's got sunburned. He's sleeping on the couch. <laughs> I was asleep for literally a minute. I'm sure that at this point, Doolittle has almost a sedative effect on you, where it's just like, uh, I'm watching Doolittle again, it's time to zone out. I don't know why, it's right at the scene before the tiger comes in. It's yeah, it's ev- always the same spot. Yeah. It really is, yeah. I have a question. Uh, why isn't the whole movie animated? You know what? That is a great question. And if any of you go on YouTube and you type in Doolittle opening scene 2020, and you bring up the Doolittle opening scene and you watch it. But instead of watching it, you scroll down to the comments and you read the comments. A lot of them are saying, why isn't the whole movie like this? And I tend to agree with them. I think that the movie would have been better if it was just animated. It feels it feels animated. And I don't know. I'm sure it's wildly expensive to do like a feature length animated film. But there's also a lot of CGI because of all the talking animals. Mm-hmm. So it's the movie is almost animated anyway. It's just animated in a different way. So yeah. just animate it all like the opening sequence. And at least like, then it's more of like a stylistic choice. It doesn't look as goofy. Yeah. A lot of the CGI looked goofy and like amateurish. See, I think the reason, cause I think you're right about blender. I think it's really cheap and I think they needed to bridge that gap for the opening. So they like realized they couldn't do reshoots. So the cheaper option was just to like quickly animate it. I don't know how well that sustained the whole movie, but maybe if they went into it with the intent of animating it the whole time, I'm sure it would be better. Yeah, um, I mean the the whole movie premise is very it's very Disney. It's very like Alice in Wonderland. Um, you know, they went live action, but the colors are like saturated. The whole thing is in CGI. Like it reads like an animated movie. I feel like it would have done better as an animated movie. This is like a movie you put on for like a six or eight year old yeah but it's too weird it it is that's the thing is like if they would have made that type of movie it would have made total sense but like it's just a weird mix of strange references um you know toilet humor jokes that are just you know is suitable for no one because of that it ends up being suitable for no one because they went all over the place with like the content of the film michael you said something sort of interesting you thought that chi chi was being brought up to be like the heir apparent of doolittle in the or yeah there is um dab dab the duck it sort of reads as like a nurse or secretary char- character maybe both because nurses operate as both in like a doctor's office so that would make sense the dog sort of reads as like a pharmacist because it seems more knowledgeable on the sense of drugs or active ingredients that may or may not be poisonous i theorized that the gorilla was a resident in training as he seems to be the smartest from playing chess with Doolittle. And he also has fingers. So he's the only animal other than the like a uh, capuchin monkeys that have fingers sufficient to operate the surgical instruments. Those two monkeys, what are their names? Uh, S- Elliot and Essay. Elliot and Essay. They are the only 
animals that don't get a voice. The entire movie, they just make monkey noises. They do drink out of a coconut through a straw, though. That's true. And it's very human. And they are lawyers. They never get to speak aloud. They only speak in court whenever they're defending Doolittle's malpractice. (laughs) (laughs) Such as, see also, uh, Leek inserted into dragon. (laughs) Actually, there is precedent for pouring code red Red. directly on the squirrel's heart. Studies have shown that the efficacy of pouring code red directly directly into the ventricle has shown a success rate of 95% or higher. And actually, they're barristers, they're not lawyers. Oh, wow. <laughs> what is a barrister? It's, a, it's just Educate a UK me. lawyer. Oh, a that's, UK lawyer? That's basically So, like, the they know her- Hogwarts spells? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. What else did you write down in your notes? Uh, another reason this sort of reads is like an animated animal movie for children um, is an early depiction of hunters. And the, uh, like, that is classic Bambi. You know, that is Elmer Fudd. That is <laughs> yeah. uh, Fox and the Hound. Just hunters are dumb out in the woods looking to shoot anything. The one thing I thought was hilarious was they sent a human to flush flush the birds out, you know, in the line of fire of, of that gun. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, um, Stubbins injures a squirrel that would actually accidentally. That would be a really funny. Instead of Stubbins shooting the squirrel, he shoots his cousin. <laughs> and his cousin has the same line. Oh, he hit something this time. <laughs> Me. Oh, good plan, Dad. We gotta help him. This Dad hands him a knife. There's <laughs> no sense to let an animal be suffering. Which would be true. Like that is actually, yeah, no, yeah, you yeah. know, a good point. Actually, but it's viewed as cruel. But you know, unbeknownst to them, they are on the land of a magical medical animal doctor that could pour code red directly <laughs> into his ventricle and just bring it back to life. They didn't know he had code red available to him. We got a code red. Uh, I think that's a good point is that his uncle is seen as like barbaric, not necessarily like cruel or anything, but like a simpleton. Yeah. And he's doing the right thing there where it's like, I don't think he should have. I think he should have made Stubbins be the dog in that situation because there he, is sort of like a aristocracy versus peasantry type division going there because you even have Doolittle drop in the line to Stubbins whenever he wants him to go he says go back to whatever burrow you crawled out of yeah so there's sort of like he I mean Doolittle himself is is, clearly sees him as superior more Mm -hmm. intelligent than like the local town folk yeah even though he is dirty and hangs out with animals like all day (laughs) and you just really smart animals really smart animals but you know do they know how to use toilets they must be trained pretty well, I think. Yeah. I mean, the only, the the only mice s- can use elevators. The mice can use elevators and trains. And trains. They're operating trains. Trains yeah. and automobiles. But yeah, he hangs out in like an abandoned mansion with all these animals, yet the townsfolk are the one who are uncivilized. And like, he looks like he hasn't showered in a year, but it's, it's the town folk who just rolled in <laughs> that are like the uncivilized. Well, he's educated. He's educated and he's nature friendly. In the, the, the time period of the film we've arrived at is 1854, correct? That is correct, yeah. Wild to think that anybody would be like, yeah, I'm going to be an animal doctor. Like, you know, humans is, is not my specialty. We're going to use the rudimentary medicine we have on animals. Well, he actually, Dr. Tulu is just a doctor doctor. It's true. Because he, he, he does treat the queen, and if he is strictly a veterinarian. That's... But he would not have. He would not have treated the queen if it were up to him. He did not want to go and treat the queen. Right. That's because he's anti-monarchy. 
and human, it seems. At the start of the film, he starts off as like in opposition to just the human he must presence. Have been, I think he must have been different before Lily died. And Lily died at the hands of what? A storm. A, just a storm. Just a storm. There was yeah. no like... No dark magic. No it, dark I mean, magic. No that's villain what I was, character see, who murdered her in cold blood or whenever something. Whenever I first watched it, I was thinking that um, like the power of the island wouldn't want it to be found or something like that. There's going to be some something related to that. But no, it's just a storm. Well, so what what I'm pretty sure that happens is that the dragon's husband oh. attacks the boat, kills her, and then she See, com- that, makes him constipated. That might have been more interesting. Yeah, it does not get into other than we know the the husband of the dragon who currently resides at Eden Island is perished. Uh, we don't get to know why, how. The, the whole dragon sequence felt so rushed. That- yeah, I think... Because of all the reshoots and everything, is how they came up with that conclusion. Yeah, it I think was it so. Was it was so nothing. It was immediately into fecal disimpaction. Yeah, <laughs> like no talking, no nothing. And and Stubbins has nothing to do in that scene at all. And which is blood, pretty funny. Mudworm, mudworm doesn't do mudfly. any mudfly. Moodfly, like Moodfly falls in a hole, does not reappear, uh, other than to like, uh, yeah, he falls in a hole and does not come back. That's for the sequel. Yeah, because we'll, we'll, we'll see. No, no, the you, unlikely you, successor to Doolittle is Doctor. Well, you want to hear what the sequel is? Go on. So this is a Universal movie, and he falls into a hole with a bunch of bats. So he would. This movie was originally a part of the Dark Universe. Of course, it was. <laughs> and That's this true. is the sequel to Dracula Untold. There's going to be a tie in there. Five <laughs> returns as Dracula. They have invited the magical creatures aspect of it so if there's dragons i mean who's to say there could be vampires as well i don't remember doolittle writing a paper on vampires he didn't, though. but who's to say other dreams other dreams other dreams that's true dragons drakes and other dreams very non-specific but also the so a movie that is very near and dear to all of us morbius there's like a ton of bats like flying around them and that was the imagery i got from it, it was very morbius I've never seen Morbius, so you I'll have to take your Morbius. word for it. In fact, we should watch it right now. <laughs> Get the pod. Uh, we're not going to do that. Instead, since today is the vacation special, we're going to talk a little bit about locations. The locations of this movie. Are there any locations that stand out to you? Uh, Monte Verde. Just that, really. Mm-hmm. Maybe the cave. Uh, those were both done on uh, studio sound stages. Do you know, like, specifically in, where? In London. Um, so, the main... Locations in the movie. This comes from an article by Susanna Edelbaum. She wrote, Building Doolittle's Many Worlds of Magic Across England. This is from January 21st of 2020. It was on the credits. Stephen Gagan and his crew, they looked at hundreds of houses, apparently, across England. And they needed one that had a large garden that would allow a bunch of animals to come and go and live there. That was like their one requirement. So they found a place called Cothay Manor in Somerset, which is visitable. If anybody wants to go visit the locations of Doolittle, they can check this one out. It's a 40-acre grounds. It has cottages. It has outbuildings. It has stables. And it has 12 acres of gardens, which is what you see Stubbins running through in the movie. Um, And it was built in 1480. So it's a very old historical manor. All right, so is it the same house exactly, like exterior-wise? Uh, some of the exteriors are the same. 
and the manner that they they add on all of the turrets and towers and things to the base structure is the same okay as, so as kothay manor okay so that's like just to show he's like an explorer is all the other stuff they right. just add on post the town that stubbins runs through that was all built from scratch because they couldn't de-age 21st century locations in a satisfactory way so it was easier to do it that way buckingham palace we've mentioned before the interior of the palace itself was created by Stephen Gagan and production designer Dominic Watkins, but the exteriors are Blenheim Palace. They needed something smaller because this is from Stephen Gagan's film production notes. Buckingham Palace, as we know it, wasn't built at the time of the film, or maybe it was being moved. So it wasn't to the scale and magnificence of the palace that would have been there. A couple other locations. Uh, there's a big set piece on the suspension bridge. What they used was the Menai Suspension Bridge in Wales. This particular bridge was completed in 1826, and in the movie it's shown as uncompleted, so we have to assume that it was probably a different bridge, because that would put the movie in the wrong time period. The Water Lily, which is the boat, and Monteverde, those are all sound stages at Shepperton Studios in Surrey, and the vast majority of it was shot in England, but one location that wasn't was Downey's Malibu Mini Zoo. He and his wife, Susan, own a real-life zoo. They have rescue animals there, which include alpacas, chickens, goats, pigs, cows, and cats. Do you know when this was used in the movie? I think I do. Um, the scene with Yoshi and um, Pimp. Plimpton. Plimpton. Oh. Um, well, no, because that's... That looked real. That looked like they actually walked outside of a cottage and were in somebody's yard. Right, but that could be at the the house. I think that that's one of the outbuildings at the Kothay Manor. Hmm. Do you, do you have, have it guess. written down? I have a guess okay. where it is. At the end, they're showing all the animals lined up to go in to see Doolittle. Right. There's like a cow walking and some other animals lined up. That's the only one that yeah. makes sense to me okay. that it could be. I do recall that. From them. So do I understand this correctly, that Robert Downey Jr. owns a, a real zoo? He owns where a, he has a what mini animals? zoo is what it's called. Sounds like a petting zoo. He has... because yeah, it seems like it mostly has domestic farming. Yeah, animals. he has alpacas, chickens, goats, pigs, cows, and cats. And in case you're curious, this article also mentioned that if he could communicate to one animal, he would pick out a kitten. And here's his reasoning. There are few things cuter than a kitten. If I could speak to a kitten, I'd say, how can I be as cute as you? And I'd expect a damn answer, too. Yeah, that that brings me to my next point. <laughs> I did not like the Robert Downey Jr. voice the entire time <laughs> yeah, in the movie. Yeah, it it felt good. goofy the entire time, and it never felt right. Uh, he should have just sounded like a basic English accent. It was it was Jack Sparrow. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. His act, I mean, his accent's just bad. I think everyone really agrees on that. Somebody should have told him, like, so just don't do it. Not I everybody you, agrees so on that. So you looked this up. So I also looked this up because I read a bunch of reviews on this. And a lot of the people defending the accent agree it's bad. The reviews that are defending him are mostly Welsh people who like Robert Downey Jr. before watching the movie. Right. And they're so, mostly like... Iron Man sympathizers. Exactly. Iron also, Man sympathizers. Part of it is like Welsh accents almost never make it to like big movies. They the were, fact that he even tried is worthy of yeah, so, celebrating. So it was yeah. mostly like it was a bold choice and roughly 20% of it was good. So we should just be happy he tried. And I mean, I guess that's fair, but also it's bad. I, I don't think he should have tried. He was the only one in the movie that talked like that. The, the only one. 
Yeah, it is also weird that none of the animals had to put on accents or... It's, nope. it's sort of interesting that Stubbins doesn't have... He has a British accent. Well, he has a British accent, but he doesn't have like a Welsh... His family had like a Cockney guess... accent and he had a posh accent. It's possible that Doolittle's manor isn't in Wales, I guess. Yeah, well, because it's like really close to the Queen because they arrive same day. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, that's something that always bothers me is like you mentioned at the beginning how did lady rose get into how'd she get in there she's a child government agent so for whatever reason she is an infiltrator of manners <laughs> of people to give them i don't know government summons well so she they, like they come to see she the crawled over the wall i have a question who is lady rose <laughs> lady rose is a government agent <laughs> she, okay. is, she is basically a, a handmaiden Right. To, yeah, to the is. queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who what just is does your what take? the queen asks. Is she her daughter, her niece? Like, is she going to inherit the throne? What was no. she read on? This is a servant's daughter who is just made to be a handmaiden. She's she's from a select group of servants who just become a handmaiden. <sighs> See, that... And like the right hand personal assistant to the queen. That that's how to me that makes reads. the most sense too. But but, but then there's the, that the, line. Why is, it's just this so confusing. Who is Lady Rose? Who is Lady Rose? And why is she a lady if she Lady and Lord just is a status of like nobility? Do you think they were right. trying to do like a an episode one Star Wars Queen Amidala Padme? That's what I think it is. You think they were trying yeah. to kind of do? So, so you think that Lady, so Rose, Lady Rose is, is the queen? queen. She's, a, she's, <laughs> she's a, a queen. A stunt. Oh, you think it's a, a switcheroo? It could be a switcheroo. I, that does not make sense in the context of. <laughs> poisoning well maybe well he didn't know that he yeah it's such a good switcheroo that nobody knows <laughs> no i don't agree i'm sorry but i just can't I, I can't like an assassination plot when you're not sure who the queen is <laughs> it's, it's just like literally any, any female in the castle could be uh lady rose or the queen and you you just you're blind firing nightshade bullets into <laughs> whoever happens to be around. Have you guys found it odd that there's an epidemic of nightshade poisoning in, in the palace? <laughs> no, I think famously the queen was the only one getting poisoned. Yep, that seems to be the case. <laughs> very, famously. very strange choice to not make the the leeches part of it somehow. Have Doctor Doolittle speak to the yes. leeches or something? That would have been really Mud, funny. Actually, Mudfly, Moodfly was a terrible villain. Not imposing. <laughs> not threatening incompetent i think his he, performance he wasn't is really even the funny. one poisoning the 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 queen he was doing leech therapy on her and just you know conspiring to kill her but he, did, he, he was the worst villain it's implied that he poisoned the queen because uh duel asked him like what'd you get for poisoning the queen it, here's the thing lord badgley is the one who still has the vial of poison why does he still have the vial of poison yeah that's a that's a horrible movie filler to just have him have well, the they, poison they on They really him. didn't wash their clothes as often back then. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's been wearing he the same forgot. outfit. It was in his pocket for so long. He's been wearing the same outfit for 30 days. <laughs> and he doesn't empty the pocket until after. He... Outfits like that, they have a bunch of unnecessary adornments on them. Probably unnecessary pockets. So I bet it's very easy to He probably to, just forgot which pocket forgot. it was in. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy to forget. So also, how would pocket? sticks know that there is a... A vial in there unless he took it out to like poison her again hmm. I, I don't have the answer to that because it's not really a fleshed out pot point it's basically i left my cia bug in the room <laughs> maybe and that's what he does he bugs yeah. the room he yeah. literally bugs the room that's, that's, really that's the joke 
and he finds out that he had been poisoning her or continuing to dose her with nightshade or i guess not dosing her high enough to immediately kill her but well but if lady rose was the only one who prepared food for her then no one else would be able to poison her and that child Jip was right there too. know how to cook uh, is on, is yeah it, that that was always the child does not cook thing. the food um she's trained as a handmaiden of the queen oh. so she <laughs> and an assassin she is the queen she is the queen. she is the queen, the queen. she's making her own food she she goes over to she poisoned herself actually to the to get queen in air quotes and she's like hey you're on your own i can't cook for you i'm the queen <laughs> i have something that i was thinking about actually uh so polly it seems like she's camping these woods to find an injured animal so that she can get Doolittle his mojo back, right? Because Doolittle isn't a funk. He's been in a funk for seven years. And along comes this boy with an injured squirrel. And Polly, Polly's like, ah, aha, an opportunity. So I think that um, it's possible Polly is the real mastermind behind everything. And maybe she was poisoning the queen to get Doolittle to go. Uh... <laughs> I, I immediately don't agree with you because... Lady Rose had the summons to the palace, and she did not know that the queen was even in danger before Lady Rose showed up. Yeah, well, she feigned it. I'm in total agreement with Frank on this. <laughs> Polly is the evil mastermind pulling the puppet strings. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and also, I think that she killed Lily, his oh, wife. She oh, killed Lily. Okay. All right. oh. Jealousy. The parrot reads as the mom of Doolittle, so maybe she, like the dad of Lily, was not a fan <laughs> of Lily. The two parents of the, the two, two parents. main Rizuli characters didn't like Doolittle. resented uh, the other's child and did away with them. Polly, you know, sentencing, uh, sentencing uh, Lily to a violent death at sea, this and is... then his dad wanting to feed his tiger with Doolittle. This is some elaborate theories some elaborate uh fin fiction dare i say oh well it's time for our, our most favorite section of the show fin fiction so last week i posed this question to frank you probably noticed there's a bunch of animals that just appear to say jokes my question for you is if you can insert an animal into any scene and give it one line what animal would it be what would your line be Ooh, that is a hard question i think um, I mentioned this while we were watching the movie. I wanted to insert an armadillo into the naval confrontation scene. And I wanted the armadillo to be fired onto the enemy ship specifically to give them leprosy. <laughs> so some sort of leprosy-based pun. <laughs> um, okay, you, you hit me with it. What's your... uh, man, I just don't know any jokes about leprosy. It's not that funny of a disease. So that's the line. <laughs> Rub <Rubber> it. <laughs> Nobody told me there would be leprosy. <laughs> I, I think he get, right before he gets fired, he goes, this is going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, this it is, is going to hurt. <laughs> as he collides with a wood fly. And then when Woodfly returns in the <laughs> dragon den scene. <laughs> Woodfly? I, I'm, I'm calling the main villain of the movie a different name each time I bring my His element <laughs> keeps shifting. <laughs> Keeps Firefly into a different fly, animal, mudworm. Mudworm. Mud He's metamorphosizing. Uh, but it, then when uh, Moodfly returns in the dragon den, he could be all like blotchy and diseased, and like I don't know, look like a grosser villain. And once the uh, armadillo is giving him leprosy, so uh, that's my move, armadillo. 
Is that a is that a confirmed or armadillos confirmed spreaders of leprosy or is that an urban legend? I mean, I would believe it, but I honestly don't know. Judging from where armadillos are are like in the world, I don't think they would be. There are armadillos in Missouri. I've seen one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they're not really in places that I feel like got a lot of leprosy. I, I believe arm. I could be wrong. I believe armadillos circulate leprosy amongst themselves. They are not afflicted by it because it's like an endemic disease to their species uh and they don't give it to other animals yeah i mean i believe it i think you an animal would have to eat an armadillo to get it from them that seems to be the case um scientists seem to believe that we actually transmitted leprosy to them 400 to 500 years ago that makes more sense today 20 percent of armadillo populations are thought to be infected with it it's a big L for armadillo for the armadillos. A big L for leprosy. What? <laughs> I mean, because like bats have like a similar thing where they're the reason why they're such a good vector for diseases is their metabolism like keeps diseases from affecting them. So you just kind of store them up, and they're perfectly fine. And bats, another animal that would be great, a great addition uh, to this movie for a one-liner pun. They are in the movie. Are they? Yeah, I, at I the very it. end. With, with, with when Blair falls into the hole in the cave, yes, he thinks he can speak to the bats. He's chittering to them. Well, hey, he how's oh, he get yeah, out of here? Yeah, yeah, get me out of here! And then they swarm into his mouth, and he's like, <gasps> and he becomes Dracula. Revenge. Right. <laughs> he gets morbed. Uh, well, for my fin fiction, this is a visual element again, which I know translates great on podcasts. Yeah, we're, we'll scan it in. Don't worry. I drew this bee. <laughs> with a cowboy hat and a mustache are you uh is this the one that's saying back off kid yeah yeah absolutely in a texas accent i imagine back off kid this ain't no rodeo famously uh animals in doolittle are protected if they do wear hats they are that does fit the narrative that as long as an animal is wearing a hat you shouldn't they're sentient They're they're sentient and you shouldn't shoot it they can vote so speaking of like one note animals there was one animal in particular that its joke sucks. It's the fly. So there's a scene where Moodfly, he tries to kill a fly and, and survives. And it's like, I'm the chosen one that flies out the window. Well, that brings us into our new segment. I'm calling this one Review Little. And we're just going to review a different movie <laughs> based around the fly. Based around the fly? So the other day I watched a movie called Ega. And I know you've watched it. Yes, also known as uh, Maki. Yeah, and that, because Iga is... Uh, Telugu. Yeah, and then Maki must be Hindi for fly. Yeah, I, I believe that's true. And I watched that uh, yesterday, actually. And, I, I love I love Maki. It is a great movie. And what I was thinking, what if that fly got revenge <laughs> on Moodfly? That was like the... Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. So you're building the chosen one fly that survives. Wait a minute. Are you saying that? I, I just want the fly to get revenge. I believe on Finn fly. is Finn is supposing that this fly um, is a person is, reborn. He's trying yeah. to insert Maki into the Doolittle EU. That's right, what that's, I want. That's, yes. Okay. 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 So all of the animals in Doolittle are reborn people. Yes, and they all want revenge. <laughs> I do like the idea of all the animals being reborn people, and that's why they're smarter than other animals, and there's a, like a psychic link that you can talk to them. Anyway, back to Ega. The movie rocks. Everyone should watch it. And yeah, I just thought it would be great if there were high-speed shots of a fly beating up Moodfly, or just like m- mentally torturing him for like days on end. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your review of your review of the, the movie Maki is that I believe it should be connected to the Doolittle universe and, and Maki as that character from from a different film should attack Moodfly at some point in the movie. Really? I just I just saw the fly scene and I'm just like, how cool would it be if that scene just tormented Moodfly for the next like two weeks? <laughs> So go watch Maki because Finn believes it should be part of the Doolittle universe. Okay, so like the plot of Maki is there's like two men and uh like the love interest and the this guy has like unrequited love for the woman and she is like playing hard to get. Eventually they fall in love, but there's a rich evil man who falls in love with her. For people at home, Iga is on Netflix. RRR is on Netflix. Bahu Bali Part One and Two on Netflix. You should go watch all of those. But you really should go watch Maki because it should be part of the Doolittle universe. <laughs> yes, that is true. You should definitely go watch it. I just I watched it the other day and I wanted to talk about. It. And there's a fly in this movie, so there's like a loose connection. And really, I just want <laughs> just about as loose as it can get. <laughs> Yes, you can't okay. tie this to Doolittle through like a fly through line. Uh, the movies can be continued related. Well, Doolittle, you don't know this, but uh, Stubbins actually is a micro artist. Dragons, drakes, and other dreams. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I put this all off the rails. This is a different angle now. This is no no longer. We're out of the new segment that will never happen again. So I want to rant about a different movie. Uh, so the leak, you, you mentioned this during the, the movie, is like in the beginning, Chi-Chi's seen packing up the leak, and you said Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun, right, Chekhov's, Chekhov's leak. leak. You know, if you introduce a plot point in, in the beginning of the movie, it better have a payoff at the end. Textbook, really. <laughs> they kept calling the leak a forcep. Yes, um, it is a force. That's a joke. Yeah, I, I don't get it's that. Not a joke. He had, it is a force. He had, no, it is not. He it had is. legitimate forceps. I saw him do surgery on a squirrel. Yeah, but uh, what okay. does he pull things out of the dragon with forceps? Question: True. Which is better to use? In that? Real forceps is the answer, <laughs> <laughs> or just your hand? Like I gotta imagine the geometry is such that your arm would be sufficient. I. <laughs> That would have been a funnier scene if he's like, okay, and then rolls yeah, up his sleeves yeah, and it, just dives in. Funnier, more accurate, if There's, he just had a, a big glove, like, fetch me my big glove, and then, you know, dramatically snaps the glove on, reaches in, does his doctorly dues, and saves the dragon. But then you don't have all the leak through line. And it, yes, but the leak through line for me was bad. <laughs> so that's why I'm okay with throwing it right in the garbage. John Doolittle stands up and says, I'm the national symbol of Wales and dives headfirst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think he needs to be like bored by the dragon. <gasps> Chi-Chi's there holding his legs. <laughs> until they're, they're pulling, they hold on to the rope. And, and Chi-Chi, this time he doesn't let go of this the rope. This time, don't let go of the rope. <laughs> I'm not going to let you down, Doc. And redemption. Redemption for multiple characters. You yeah. let him to let him to almost die and perish in the same way that Lily did. What else do you have written down, Frank? Um, the other thing that I have here, uh, speaking about both animals wearing things, 
being sentient beings that are safe and uh, animal inserts that are sort of strange and the don't wolf. really belong. The wolf. <laughs> I, the, the wolf is, he's wearing a bandana scarf. He's sort of like Balto, I suppose. I did not, I did not clock the wolf. Where was the wolf at? There's the shot that it's like going, the first time you arrive at Monteverde, it's like going through the streets of the city and it shows the monkeys and it shows all the people and the interacting with animals through the street. Okay. And there's there's a wolf that's walking along and he turns and looks to the camera and he nods. He appears again in the whenever they're feasting and Stubbins is sitting there beside King Razuli. Their wolf is one of the guests walking around the table. See, I knew you were gonna say that because I have written down that wolf is cool. Yeah. <laughs> that, he is cool. My notes say that wolf is cool. He's a cool wolf. Um the orangutan. <laughs> like, did it feel like it came out of nowhere for anybody? Like, I, I was not introduced to him. He just had all of a sudden a close-up shot where <laughs> dancing or something. What? What was the? What was the orangutan? I have a dancing deal? fever that can't be cured. <laughs> I mean, something like that. Right? I guess he he was the comedic relief for when Doctor Doolittle said, "I'm done. I'm I'm taking new patients." Whenever Doolittle does that, though, he's dumb because this island that's ruled by King Rizzoli, who wants to kill him, is the place where he's decided to stay. That doesn't make sense. It, it was a bluff. Be, well, yeah. no, because like the actual line in the movie was probably originally is like, "I'm resigned to death." <laughs> <laughs> no um i have stubbins is really strong written down because the physics of the rope scene we're on the boat and doolittle is diving to attach the whale chi chi lets it go and stubbins is the one who runs and catches the rope to save doolittle because he's in the dive suit in the water heavier than him the dive suit's probably Easily. probably like 200 it, pounds it's right? meant yeah. to it's meant to make you sink in the water it has rocks attached to it anyway stubbins is able to grab the the rope and Continue holding on to it for a large period of time until Yoshi can get up on the ship and help him. And also, not only that, he catches it at the end of the rope, and there's no, like, slide. It just, like, sticks yeah, to his hands, yeah. and he got him. Yeah, and then he's heaving it, because by the time Yoshi gets there, there's a stretch of rope for him to grab onto. And I think think that one thing that should be said is that he had, the suit is in water, so I feel like he would be able to, like, hold it if they weren't moving yeah, 25 miles per hour. 17 miles per hour. It's no. a whale. As a whale. 17 miles per hour. I suppose because he's in water, he would be lighter and easier to hold on to. But then Doolittle himself is super strong because he's able to hoist himself. Like, Chi-Chi pulling the rope up makes sense because gorillas are insanely strong. But, like, Robert Downey Jr., pulling himself out, wearing the dive suit, climbing up the side of the ship. That doesn't seem very logical. Robert Downey Jr. only plays superheroes. That's true. <laughs> he only plays superheroes. Sherlock, Doolittle, Iron Man, they're all superheroes. He has the power to talk to animals. He can toss a dive suit helmet up from the water. <laughs> like, standing on nothing, is just able to throw that dive suit helmet up there. And Sherlock, he's all like, it's not just enough for him to be like super smart. He's got to be like crippled shoulder, uh, weak knees. And then he does some action sequence where he punches somebody. Like every movie that Robert Downey Jr. is in, he is a superhero in some capacity. Yeah, I think that's sort of the thing where like fiction sometimes mirrors real life. <laughs> because he is a superhero in real life as yeah. well. As we know, because he has a mini zoo. That's right. One thing we should go to now is we watched one of the featurettes. We did watch one of the featurettes. It was called Talk to Animals. 
It was called Talk to Animals. That's what I've written down. Was it? Yeah. It was Talking to Animals. It might be Talking to Animals. Or Talking with Animals. It was called Talking to Animals. It was called Talk to Animals. <laughs> it was called Talking with Animals. <laughs> right, now we're covered. <laughs> His name was Wormwood. His name was Wormfly. You cannot cut that His out. Name... <laughs> now we're covered. Now we're covered. We got it all. Let me go ahead and ADR all the, the mistakes that I made referring to Moodfly. I almost called him Woodfly again. So... It was just like going over the cast and the animals they play. Yeah, it it wasn't a very good extended uh, feature at. I'm okay. kind of disappointed. In so it. I have some things written down. Uh, none of Octavius. Uh, Octavia Spencer who okay. plays Dab Dab. None of uh, Rami Malek's lines. Uh, none of uh, Camille Nanjiani's lines. None of John Cena's lines. None of Craig Robinson's line, and none of Ralph Fiennes' lines. That were featured in the featurette, like spoken while they were in the studio, actually made it into the movie. It's possible that all of the behind the scenes footage that we see from the sequence was recorded with the original cut of the movie. Right. I have a feeling that's probably the case. And whenever they did reshoots, they weren't filming behind the scenes footage anymore. And then on a counterpoint is uh, Tom Holland and Selena Gomez. Tom Holland's lines aren't even showed. He's just shown in the studio like, oh, like the way that studio was set up though i'm pretty sure that when they're recording they can't have people walking around in the recording space right and it looks like it was all handheld and recorded between takes yeah so i have a feeling that the actual recording they just the people who were doing the behind the scenes had to leave the room okay and then but selena gomez you do see her do a line and it's in the movie so i have a suspicion that she was added afterwards. I bet that her sequence was from the original. It, could, it you... could be, but it is weird, like, all those lines. It's weird that they didn't show him saying any of the lines that were then shown to be in the movie. I bet you they just recorded lines, generic lines for these animals to say, and like, in mass, and just went one right after the other, and they're like, okay, well, this one worked out. This one fits for this part of the film. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably true, and but it seems weird to have that approach to it. But, like, like, each each film, each scene in the movie where there's just, like, an animal and, like, a few seconds for them to say something, like, oftentimes what they say is not super relevant to what's going on. So, like, that friendship, bro, that's friendship, bro, feels like it came out of nowhere, like a vacuum. Yeah, it all. Not, not yeah. in, within context of the actual scene that's around it. I didn't write down the lines, but I remember John Cena's lines. They weren't, like, as bro-focused, right? He was like, I'm a polar bear, and I'm always cold. They were stuff like that. Like, they were less, like, punchline-y. So I think those were all probably more likely to be in the original cut. Yeah, that's probably definitely true. And then they had to redo everything to be like, joke, joke, joke. Why is the polar bear always cold? Because that's a funny thing. It's ironic. I guess. It doesn't he make he doesn't sense. know what irony is. I don't is. know what irony means. <laughs> uh, dad? Dad? I mean, uh, Dr. Doolittle? I don't know what irony means. Dr. Dad Little? Irony is when the woman you love dies. Oh, chills. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. No, it's not. I still don't understand what irony is, Dr. Dad. I mean, Mr. Doolittle? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dad Little? I think this movie would have been better if Stubbins was his son. I think it, I like it, it has residuals of it him does, being yeah. the son in it. And like that's the problem. The Monteverdi sequence probably being the most. Why? Why obvious. is he not the son? 
I guess it doesn't make f- f- sense for him to s- randomly stumble onto the manor of Dr. Do- Doolittle if he's the son. Yeah. He should be searching for his father if that's the case. I think the original cut was probably like Stubbins, after Lily died, was sent to go be raised by his uncle and aunt or something. My thing is, I think all of that, the uncle scene and the going in, like with the squirrel, I think that's all reshoots. Yeah, I don't think is. any of that was in the original story because uh, Craig Robinson was originally playing the mouse and his lines in the featurette were much, much different than just joke, joke, joke as Kevin. In the featurette, they said that Craig Robinson is a real scene stealer. And he really didn't steal a single scene. He stole scene. no scenes. Except the time where That's he's Darryl? like... Daryl, yeah, Daryl from, from The Office. From The Office. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm too beautiful to die. Said four, four lines in the whole film. Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly just updating the log to give transitions. That office money has to have run dry by now. So <laughs> he's just... He's got. To, he's got to get something from somewhere. I mean, he hasn't been in many great shows and movies since no. then. I think that pretty much everyone who was on The Office, that was their peak, right? So not not a. Uh, uh, what's his name? You could argue that um, John Krasinski That's has done other things. Like he did a Jim. quiet place, which was huge. He's reinvented himself into a CIA plant, but <laughs> that whole Jack Ryan nonsense. Nobody watches that. Well, people, people who... watch reruns in the office more than they watch Jack Ryan. <laughs> right, but the Quiet Place. The Quiet Place was legitimately like everybody went and saw that. And there's Quiet Place Part Two. Well, he's dead in that one. <laughs> oh yeah, he directed it though. Supposedly, <laughs> I I have my own segment which I prepared for you guys. Yes, I want to hear it. I want to ask you guys a question. Okay, I'll answer it. Did Doctor Doolittle do a doo doo? <laughs> Did Doctor Doolittle do a little doo doo? Hey, uh. Let me tell you something, Mike. Dude, I'm I'll gonna be... come over there. I'm gonna take off your lucky foot. It's gonna be mine. I'll be tap dancing on your <laughs> grave when I'm done with you. <laughs> this this <laughs> segment is over. <laughs> that was a very, very good, very segment. discreet segment. <laughs> 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 it a few. Uh, what what do you call that segment? What would you call that segment? Dick doc, Dick Doctor. <laughs> It's, very, it's actually very hard to say. Did Dr. Doolittle do a doo-doo? Did Dr. Doolittle do a little doo-doo? Finn, I want you to say, did Dr. Doolittle do a little doo-doo as many times as you can without making a mistake. Did Dr. Doolittle do a little doo-doo? Did Dr. Doolittle do a little doo-doo? Did Dr. Doolittle do a little doo-doo? <laughs> okay, I made you laugh, so that's actually my, my mistake. But in fairness, I've said that a thousand times. <laughs> I bet. I've at least said it like 75 times probably because I think every time we watch it... <laughs> Every time he's watched it, I believe he repeats that line. So that was great. It, it's so sad, though, that it happens to happen so close to in proximity to that absolutely god awful Godfather reference. I wrote that down. It was just like, oi, not good. <laughs> I, I hated the dragonfly. Dragonfly was a bad character. I would take him out of the movie immediately. That's James for you. <laughs> I think that's a good litmus test for character. Like, if you watch the movie with us and you're like, so let's talk about James. Good guy. Like, <laughs> you're, you're clearly not a good person. <laughs> he's written to be unlikable, but he's also not funny or, like, important, I guess. They really should have amped up his perviness. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really just he really just curves immediately on the parrot and then it like it doesn't come up again but did, i like what you did with your tail feathers that's a line james is the worst he should have like you know it woke up the lions flown flown out of the room alerted the parrot or whatever to the situation out of the movie 
doesn't come back. Let me talk to her. Dragon to dragon. Yeah, that sucked. He does get lit on fire, though. He yeah. should have been dead. <laughs> like, dead. Very, like, dead dead as dead can be. See, that would have been a good time to amp up the comedy. Or just kill he, James. He gets yeah. lit on fire, and then Yoshi's like, I'll put you out, and stomps on him. <laughs> all right, all right, here it is. Here, here's the I'll one-liner you, for that, that moment. The one-liner for that moment is like, oh, it looks like the dragonfly became a firefly. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. If you could, if you give me a week, I could write Doolittle. Hey, that that brings me to uh, my next question, which is, if you could recast anyone in the movie, who would be? Who would you recast? I absolutely immediately thought the gorilla should be John Cena, right? He wrestles the tiger. John Cena, famous WWE wrestler, has no wrestling moves done in the movie. If he's the polar bear, see. I like his line of thinking. I think it should be The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson the Rock the should be the gorilla. Yeah. Why isn't The Rock in this movie? Why isn't he? He's in everything. Because they had to get John Cena instead. Because this is before John Cena like really blew up. This is like right before. And John Cena and The Rock um, cannot be in the same recording studio. They got yeah. big beef. They do? No. Oh. But I don't know. Why isn't The Rock in this movie? He says no to nothing. <laughs> That's he, not he, true. Was, he was in Jungle Cruise. Yeah, yeah this kind of has Jungle Cruise vibes. It's big Jungle Cruise vibes. Yeah. I've never seen Jungle Cruise. It's <laughs> yeah. um... If you hadn't made me do this podcast, uh, I would not have seen Doolittle. So <laughs> I'm going to put that as like a, non, a non-factor. So uh, for you guys at home, next week I'm going to be on Mike's podcast watching Jungle Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in every Thursday for my Jungle Thursday Jungle Cruise podcast. <laughs> Where we always watch Jungle Cruise. So I, I, I Tuesdays, Jungle Cruise Thursdays. I just want Jane, the, Jane, Dwayne the Rock Johnson podcast. Right, name the worst. Name the worst Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Name the worst Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie. That's really tough. I have my I, answer locked and loaded. It's probably like the Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy. We have a winner. <laughs> the answer, the the objectively right answer is Tooth Fairy. Is that not Vin Diesel? No, no. it is Dwayne the Rock. Johnson. You think he had the pacifier? Uh, it must the be. The pacifier was a bad movie, but it was essentially Tooth Fairy, except it was just like your Tooth Fairy is a CIA agent for no well, reason at well, all. Well, no, the the is pac- he actually a Tooth Fairy in the Tooth Fairy? Yes, he's the real. He it, it is Santa Claus. Oh, okay, 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 okay. He okay. kills the Tooth Fairy or something and becomes a Tooth Fairy. I'm gonna have to check it out. <laughs> Drakes, dragons, and other dreams. <laughs> Uh, it's dragons, drakes, and other dragons, dreams. drakes, and other dreams. Flying, Such flying as with. See also tooth fairy. Flying with dragons, drakes, and other dreams by Doctor J Doolittle. DJ Doolittle. DJ Doolittle. Dude, that would be such a good like mood album. Drakes, dragons, and other dreams. Dragons, drakes, and other dreams. Dragons, drakes, and other dreams. Flying, flying with, with, of course. Flying with DJ Doolittle. flying with. So I would recast uh, John Cena as the. Um, gorilla instead of the polar bear are there any casting adjustments you two would make so can you recast the polar bear as well then i mean you know why not dwayne the rock johnson he should be in this movie yeah no that fits that fits (laughs) and then they could have like a little wrestler do it duo you know or john goodman i think would make a good Uh, he'd be a good polar bear yeah i have somebody with just like a really deep deep sort of powerful voice my first suggestion is I would recast Frank as Humphrey. <laughs> I'm on my way. 
I hate to say it. I don't think it would impact the movie because that was a picture-perfect Humphrey the Whale impression. Thank you. But let's see. I think I'd recast Robert Downey Jr. I don't think he should be Doolittle. I think Kramer should be Doolittle. <laughs> Kramer from, you know, the, the time where he was playing Kramer. I mean, the worst performance is Stubbins, right? Like... Stubbins doesn't do that much in the movie. I think it would be fun to cast Stubbins as like an adult. He should be older. Like, no, he's still 14, but he should be played by someone who's 25. No, I think Stubbins (laughs) should just be older. He should be a young man, like, you know, 18 to like 22, like a young college aged man who would like be in line to become a doctor. He's studying animals or something in college and he... He's coming from these bookie methods. And he should be he like a med student to... type of yeah. person. Yeah. I got it. I would uh, replace Stubbins with like one of the CW actors, like Robbie Amell. Like the guy who, I think that's the guy who plays Arrow, right? <laughs> I hate to monopolize the recasting, um, but Tom Holland is no longer the dog. He's, he's Stubbins. RDJ's yeah. Stubbins. He's Stubbins. Oh, that's good. You're Tom right. Holland, yes. The dog could be you anybody. I bet it they, does not need to be Tom they Holland. They probably didn't do that because they were like, oh, we're coming out of Marvel and we want to distance ourselves from this Iron Man, Spider-Man thing. But it would have been way better if it was Tom Holland. They already Stubbins. have yeah. on-screen chemistry or whatever. They, they've worked together before. They would be a good pair for the movie. They're, they're already making Iron Man references with the dive suit, yeah. so why don't we just go all the way? Make Stubbins, like, more of an impact in the movie. Like, give him a little bit more agency over what happens, you know? Give him yeah. a, an actual arc yeah. to follow and make him Tom Holland. The dog can be anybody. It, the dog doesn't need to be Tom Holland. The, the, Tom Holland's in the movie as a dog for, like, a total dog. of I'll five minutes. I'll do it. I nominate myself. Yeah. Frank is now the dog. I'm <laughs> Oh, it smells. It smells like. What's that smell? Elderberry? No. It smells like. It smells like nightshade. No. <laughs> I, I am revoking my nomination for Frank as a dog. I didn't believe that you could handle the five minutes of screen time and these very simple lines. You managed to blow it almost immediately. I, I'm nominating what a myself. Spectacular failure. I'm nominating myself as. Doolittle, then. It's Frank's the dog. I'm Doolittle. That ruins my whole, like, trinity of who should replace who, though. Right. Well, then Robert Downey Jr. will, will replace me on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not allowed to do the Welsh it's, accent, though. It's like, no good. He's got to leave the Welsh accent at Doolittle. He's not allowed to I'm the only human here. It's an outrage. It's <laughs> oh, a nightmare. <laughs> oh, I love, I love the it's a nightmare line. Like that is, is a good soundbite. <laughs> that is like Princess Bride. To me, that's like Princess Bride level soundbite from a movie. Is oh, it's a nightmare. An accidental firing upon. <laughs> Humans never change. Ha <laughs> ha. I think that if you're not careful, Universal is going to call you, Finn. Yeah. He's not doing the accent, so it's slightly better, but also. <laughs> also, I wouldn't have to stand on any boxes. I'd just naturally be taller than yeah. everyone. A, a, an accomplishment of modern movie making that they were able to make, like, every, every single scene, Robert Downey Jr. looks like the tallest person in the room. Well, he he's he's shown next to Lady Rose, and he's like, a child. They're like the same size almost. He's like one inch taller than her, 
<laughs> yeah, the queen stayed in bed the whole movie because that would have broke the illusion <laughs> that everybody in this universe is shorter than Robert Downey Jr. That's true. Whenever he's like in the scene where he's fighting people, he instantly hits the ground because he knows if he's standing up, yeah, they'll be He'll towering his over presence. Him. Yeah, Mike, you have any other notes or uh, insights or uh, first view- do little viewing bits that you'd like to pop in? Um, I feel like we just gotta drill down on who is this movie for um and i think i've come to the conclusion it's for preteen kids he's called because us of kids the, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's for people that are like age nine to 14 who would go see this this like very childish movie but would maybe think like the toilet humor is funny like a, a i don't think it is i think it's for six-year-olds that their parents take them to see the movie. And I think they don't laugh at the... They don't understand the dragon scene except for the big fart. I was going to to get to... I think it's for pre... The pot, the toilet humor is for the preteen kids. And then just every age younger because it has talking animals. And any movie talking animal, like a young kid is going to be glued to that no matter what's happening. Oh my goodness. I don't think, I don't think they are. You don't think so? I don't know. Do you not remember like spy dogs? Yeah. yeah I guess the question is dogs, if you recall. I think that's mostly right. I, I don't think it's for preteens. I think they're too old to find it funny. I do, but I but this this movie was not made by preteens for preteens. It's made by old people who are trying to guess what people will think is funny. That's fair, that's fair. They got it so wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Among other things, they got, they got a lot wrong on this one. So I already talked about what I did outside of Doolittle. What did you do this week? Please. I have been uh, learning uh, jazz standards as a low-level jazz guitarist. Oh, that's cool. So that has been fun for me to do in my free time. Well, I can't wait to have you uh, sounding our... We're going to have you score the uh, score Doolittle. Did Dr. Doolittle do a doo-doo? The other movie I watched besides Ego was like the new Eddie Murphy movie on Netflix. The new one? Yeah. Dr. Doolittle 3? Yeah, that's the one. No, uh, I don't know what it's <laughs> called. It's it's like Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, Julie Lee Dreyfus. It was okay. It Was it like You People? Was it called You People? Man, I don't know. I've gotten rid of social media, like cable like that's the problem with watch wanting to watch movies you get rid of social media cable and all of a sudden you're no longer advertised what movies are out anymore that's fair frank what i what I, uh, I watched last hurrah for chivalry which is a john woo movie it's a uh wuxia swordsman intrigue movie wait how old is that one that one's that's like one of his first ones, right? That it was... is one of his early ones. It's from uh, 79. Yeah, that movie rules. It has, I think, my favorite depiction of a swordsman and my favorite bit in Kung Fu. The bit is uh, the sleeping wizard. He's a swordsmaster who fights while he's sleeping. It's very good. And uh, the swordsman, the edition that I watched, the subtitles had his name is Green. He's a drunken swordsman and yeah, he's a lot of fun. Well, Michael... Uh, would you recommend it? Ooh, no, I would not. That's did you a, did you enjoy it? Yes, in a way. Specifically for this experience, it was fun to hang out with you guys and watch Doolittle. But I would you not. Hear that, you hear that Universal? A Universal? You hear that? Is what you should do. You should hire us to talk to everybody on the planet. Oh, okay. <laughs> They'll all watch Doolittle and enjoy it. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I guess uh, just hire you to be in the theater to just watch Doolittle with people. I guess is what you wanted. That's kind of my dream job. Yeah, is to watch Doolittle with people for for money. Like if, if Universal's throwing down, you know, like five dollars an hour. In a way, you are the world's only professional Doolittle watcher. <laughs> uh, amateur Doolittle watcher. Amateur yeah. professional. Until until we get sponsored by Big Bugle. <laughs> Or Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> we got a Code Red. Code Red. <laughs> Did you enjoy this movie? Do you recommend it? I enjoyed the experience of watching it. Um, I do not recommend it. It's bad. Here's what I recommend, folks. Go watch Maki. Yeah, go watch Maki or Ega. It's on Netflix it's as Ega. Go watch that right now. Turn off this podcast. But after we plug ourselves, don't turn it off yet. Do I recommend it? I I do think there is something about watching it that's been fun. But... I want to change my answer to no, I did not have a good time. And <laughs> <laughs> we got the COVID, COVID. <laughs> And the reason is nobody told me that nobody told me there would be dragons uh was not in the movie. And I should have been warned. Nobody told me there'd be a dragon. <laughs> so no, I was very disappointed that I didn't get to see that. So I did enjoy it. I do recommend it. Go buy 10 copies. Buy one for your friends, your family. Everyone you know should have a copy of this movie. And they should also have a 10-pound bag of bugles. <laughs> and a 2-pound backpack of leaks. We got a code red. Code uh, red. So I think that brings us to the end of the pod. Uh, Frank, where can you find us? Uh, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube and uh we have a letterboxed profile where we're tracking our reviews, so you can check that out if you'd like. Uh, we also have a list on our letterboxed profile that lists every movie we've mentioned so far in the series. So if if you hear one and you're you're wondering what it was, you can go check out the lists. Uh, they're in the show notes, and you can find us that way. You can also email us if you have any questions. That is also in the show notes. And that's, that's it for me. Uh, I'm Frank. I'm out of here. I'm Finn. I'm Mike, and I'm on my way. Okay, the, I'm going to retcon something real quickly. I would like to recast Kevin as Gabriel Iglesias, and instead of being a squirrel, he's a chihuahua. I don't know about that, Finn. That's a bold choice. To <laughs> The chihuahua gets shot and has, <laughs> has code red poured into his ventricles. How does, how does the chihuahua get to the English forest? It doesn't matter. It's and a talking animal man, movie. It's going to have Gabriel Iglesias. He is the talking animal. Him and George Lopez. If they are in a... George Lopez, Like I feel like that's a, a more straightforward choice. Gabriel Iglesias, though. He's a chihuahua in every talking animal movie. Is he? I feel like so. Like any movie yeah. from like 2005 you mean onward. Beverly Hills Chihuahua and Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. But anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just thinking a talking animal movie. You have to have him or George Lopez. Hopefully both. I think the reason why this movie was a box office failure. <laughs> <laughs> please, please get down to the reason. They did not. <laughs> <laughs>